holding some uh, candle up above your head there. Is that what that was? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Just setting the mood with my uh, above head candle. It's prayer. <laughs> morning prayer ritual. Good morning. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> hey, uh, Chris, do you remember telling me about your book? The Millionaire Gym Owner book? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember actually like texting you about it or anything, but maybe. It's a low. It's a loaded question. I'm setting you up. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry. The answer is just no. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. How could you not tell me about it? You guys, I'm, I oh, I text I Chris. I'm like, hey, will you come on the show? He's like, what for? I'm like, oh, just to catch up. You know, I just want to catch up and, and hear your voice and like just feel around and talk about what's going on in the world of the gym business. <laughs> and he said, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll be on. And then last night at four o'clock, Suze's like, hey, dude, he got a new book. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. What? So I went in the garage and got on the assault bike and listened to that thing at 1.5 time. Holy cow, dude. You should be so proud of that thing. Thank you. Yeah, I am. I, I, um, Thank you. In my car, um, recently, I, I've been listening to um, Napoleon Hill. I don't know when he wrote this book. I, I'd never even heard of this dude. Probably Sousa turned me on to him, but he's a guy from the turn of the century, and he, he wrote a bunch of like – I don't know what you would call them books. Like they're kind of like how to set values or character books. I guess some people might call them self-help books or how to get rich books or business books, but I guess it depends where you are in your life. But it was interesting as I was listening to your book, I was like, man, the title of this book, what's the name of the title of the book? How, um, Millionaire Gym Owner. Uh, sorry. Yeah, or do you mean that. Napoleon Hill? No, no, your book. Oh, there it is. A Millionaire Gym Owner. Yeah. I was thinking, man, this book could be could have five different titles. Oh, thanks, man. Um, depending on where you're at in your life. How not to be a burden on your kids. How about that for a title? Oh, man. That's the next book now. How not to stress <laughs> your parents out. Yeah. Um, if you don't save, you'll be poor. The, the only trick to being rich is save money. I mean, it, uh, and, and I know that you wouldn't necessarily from reading this book, you wouldn't necessarily say uh, use the word save. But but but, but you know what I mean? You, if yeah. You, no matter how much you make, if you're not investing some portion of it or taking it out every week, no matter how much you're going to be poor. Well, the call I do remember with you, Sevy, is when CrossFit made their greatest mistake ever in cutting the whole media team. And I called you and said, are you good? And, and the first thing you said was, we're good. I've got these rental properties. We've got income coming in. Like we, we don't solely depend on one thing for our income. And that to me still was have, a big Still have the same couch I had in, that I lived in, uh, that I had in the eighth grade. I'm 50 years old. Well, I, just, <laughs> I, recently, I recently just bought a, a couch from uh, my friend, Allison NYC, her used couch. No kidding. Had, yeah, because I had the couch from uh, when I was in the eighth grade at my house. Yeah. <laughs> Way and back the carpet in. My grandmother had in her house. I have my grandmother's carpet as the main carpet in my house still. <laughs> that my mom had, that I had, now wow. I have. Yeah. Cheap. Gener generational Cheap. carpet. Her generational It is world. an intergenerational carpet. That's right. Yeah. Better than money. <laughs> and and, and Just... you know what, Chris? What the book goes off on. So when the two guys, Javier and uh, um, uh, Jose, delivered my refrigerator the other day, Mm -hmm. You know, you know what the best part of my entire day was giving them 20 bucks each. That's, that's completely awesome. that, that, that they 40 bucks. 
giving it to, thank you guys you don't even know not not because i have to i feel like i have to but because i want to because i can because i still have my old ass cheap couch and 40 bucks <laughs> is nothing to me but it, me it means the world to me that these guys brought a refrigerator to my house i mean i i can't thank them enough yeah they work that's one of my spot. favorite things too that's amazing yeah. good yeah, for your you book man. talks your book talks about that over tipping, yeah, it's or, it's one or, of the or great just joys. tipping at all. Like yeah. I, like those guys aren't expecting shit. That's right. Yeah, good for you, man. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big unlock. Um, uh, Rosemary Tosin, how not to stress your parents out would be a great book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. <laughs> My mom tried to teach me these lessons as a kid. Oh, really? I'm not that surprised. Are in, that are in your book. I forgot. Like we had little jars. She gave us $5 a week or $10 a week, whatever. And we had to put some in a jar for savings, some in a jar to give away. You, you, I mean, I never stuck with it. Now we spent the money on video games and <laughs> stuff. But yeah. You know, I was, I was thinking about your mom yesterday because. Um, careful. Careful, Chris. Careful, yeah. Careful, buddy. <laughs> careful. Literally. We're live on I, the air. I think she's like a model of a presentation that I'm giving next month um, in out in Vegas about blue zones in your life. And like, there's this certain point where you've got enough wealth that like your income comes from that. You don't have to work anymore. And you've also got enough health that, you know, you're not confined to a bed. And for most people in our parents' generation, that time window, that blue zone of health and wealth was very, very short. Like they, they worked themselves to death or they retired and sat in a lazy boy for five years, developed diabetes and passed away quickly after that. And so I was trying to think of counterexamples. And I thought of your mom um, actually as an amazing example of extending out that, that blue zone um, and staying healthy as long as possible. Dude, uh, Basic, basic. I'm going to give you the cliff notes, but basically, met my dad, eloped as a as a 20 year old girl, um, came to California, working jobs. Uh, she was a school teacher. She cleaned apartments. Um, then wow. she went to night school to become a lawyer while she was pregnant with me and my uh, either me or my sister. Passed the bar, um, making you know uh, twelve thousand dollars a year, just barely scraping by. Single mom, raising two kids, built her lawyer business. Uh, worked like a like a dog for from when she was 20 to when she was 70 but always saved money always saved money always you know got some a rental property a couple two three four rental properties and then at 70 was able to retire now here's the thing the only reason why it worked out for her is because of crossfit mm -hmm. because at 70 she's not going into decrepitude and dying yeah. because she, well and her personal responsibility and accountability so now she's 80 and you can't even tell, but, um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting combination. Um, yeah, it's, it, she's, she's a great example of it, but unfortunately though, she lives in California, right? So even though she, even though, <laughs> even though, downfall. She, even though she, listen to this, you're going to love this story. Um, she's going to be like, that's not true. This is true. <laughs> she, she saved all this money she's not she's not a uh she's not a burden to anyone around her a burden on the state still contributes to the economy has like handymen and shit coming out of the house and she wanted to buy a home in a in a, a trailer park because that's mm -hmm. all you can afford for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in california but my mom had saved too much money and so she wasn't eligible to buy the seven hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar trailer home 
in Santa Cruz, California, because they have, if you have too much money saved in the bank, you're not eligible to live in that community. Ah, good old California. You're, you're punished. You're punished. For what? Your, you're punished. <laughs> you're punished. Squatters got more rights. I showed her. I'm like, mom, for $750,000, move to San Antonio. You, you could be like. Mega you mansion. Have, you don't have to live next to the meth heads. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Wow. It's crazy. I don't know. We've yeah. Wow. Uh, this is not, this book's not a joke. Uh, this is, it's fun. It's funny. Uh, um, this is not to poo poo on you at all, uh, Chris, but uh, <laughs> Sousa, Sousa could have written this book. This is how Sousa talks. Like when I talk to Sousa, like he, I feel like he, he read your book like 10 years ago. He, I feel like every time I talk to him on the phone, he's plagiarizing a paragraph from you or you're plagiarizing <laughs> a paragraph from him. This really is, the um this really is the guide to how to become a millionaire yeah hey, and, this is it i mean in the first five i read i listened to five hours and like three hours and i'm like oh yeah this is it this is the guy this isn't bullshit this isn't like drink this water and you'll live forever <laughs> that's right yeah thanks that's what that's what we're going for and uh <laughs> more than anything uh like i'm sure you guys noticed but the first chapter is like why should you care you know, we get into this, we feel a lot of, um, you know, we, we feel great about the the impact that we're having and the lives that we're changing. And none of us got into this for money. So why should you care about being a millionaire? And uh, hopefully I made that case too. You, you absolutely did. I wonder if, I wonder if that will sink in with people. Uh, there's a, there's a line in there that's uh, tremendous. I thought it would make a great clip too. Where is my uh, Chris Cooper notes? Here it is. So you run the largest gym mentor consulting business in the world. And you define what it means to be a millionaire. And we can get into that. We'll have you define that. Okay. But not only when people become millionaires through your program, you certify it. Meaning you're like, hold on a second. Bring that shit forward. You look at their paperwork. And if they really do meet the criteria of being a millionaire – you celebrate with them. Yeah. And two brain business certifies two new millionaires every month under the two brain uh, mentorship. Yeah. It, yeah. That's the mean <laughs> oh, average. Dude. Damn. That's awesome. Well, we audit because I'm a skeptic and most of the yeah. stuff that you see online is, you know, it, it's set up to look good. Like I have all these properties and or all these investments or I've got this jet, but these, these people are usually so leveraged that if the interest mm -hmm. rates went 1%, they'd be bankrupt. You know, any little thing knocks them off the horse. And so we audit these people to make sure that they're legit. And a million in net worth is like the first milestone to them uh, knowing that their, their legacy and their gym can last as long as they want it to. Can you tell, can you tell me, um, and you, for, you have a team of 50, is that correct? Yeah, it's bigger now. It's like 70, yeah. Okay. Wow, so the, the two brain Thanks. business is 70 people. And those people, um, the they they have success. They're not the people telling you. Go on. Go on. Yeah, no. So the mentor team is selected from our clients and they're picked for a few things. But like one of the things they have to be is the most successful and uh, or they have to be successful. We don't want people up there, you know, spouting off opinion that they haven't done themselves or um, we want people who are inspirational because they've done it, but also they've got the experience that they can share. And that includes the highs and the lows. None of us did it easy. You know, it's when I started talking about this book, when it first came out, um, 
I was tagging a lot of the co-authors. There's there's 14 of them that share their entire story in the book. And a lot of them were like, oh, okay, I'm a little scared for you to have this out there. And I'd say, why? Like, you should be proud. Well, because my gym isn't perfect yet. And if somebody shows up to my gym, uh, they're going to see, like, I got a broken barbell in the corner. They're going to see, like, class doesn't always start on time. And, uh, you know, I think that's really good for people to hear, too, because they, they think, like, you just make – your gym more and more perfect and more and more perfect. And that's how you make more money and eventually succeed. And that's not the case at all. Uh, and we can, we can dig into that, but that was one of the first things that I had to overcome in my head on the path. Um, yeah. And actually like the whole, the whole journey for me started because I finally got my gym stable to a point where I was making an income. I wasn't even writing about it yet. And then like the next day it hit me like, Oh, I'm making enough, but I'm also still working 72 hours a week and I don't see a way out of that. Like I'm going to have to do this till I die, get sick or get injured. Um, and I had just recently had a powerlifting injury and that, so, you know, it scared the hell out of me. So I started looking for ways to create that, that uh, end state for myself, the finish line. When you have, if you have a, if you have a guy who is, let's say 200 pounds overweight and he loses the 200 pounds and he's got a picture of himself on the wall and it's him from 15 years ago. And you walk in there and you see that he's still skinny and you're a fat dude. That dude can say some crazy shit to you. That he that can say can anything look, he wants. Yeah. Yeah. He can be like, listen, fucktard, stop going to Jack in the box <laughs> on the way here. And you'll be like, you'll take it. You'll take anything from him. That's right. Yeah. So if you take, so what I'm seeing from your mentorship program is if you take, there might be someone who's a great mentor, but they just can't do it for themselves. They're still poor. They're spending all their money. They got their, their, their yeah. They're, 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 what's that called? House poor. You spent all your money on, house yeah. on yeah, yeah, house broke. Thank you, Susa. But if you have someone who's successful, they can get away with murder. They can be like, are you kidding me? You bought it. You keep buying Starbucks every morning on your way to the gym. That's $5.50. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. And they can just yell at you, right? Yeah. And, and we actually saw this. So you, we would, um, for years, we would get people to a good income level and then we would graduate them out of our program and their alumni and things are great. And then eight or nine months later, they'd be knocking at the door again. Like, well, I blew it. You know, I, I went and opened this coffee shop and you told me not to do it. And all my <laughs> money went in that and my life is over. And now I hate fitness and coffee. <laughs> oh, poor Gabe. Darn it. <laughs> so, so uh we you know we started a program to help them decide like now you've got a little bit of extra where do you put it that gives you some security and i don't just mean security to retire but also security to know that like your gym is not going to just be wiped off the map next time there's some kind of shutdown or all your staff leave or whatever you know your roof breaks your your book gives gives the whole thing like you you go through the math you basically say you need to do this this and this and, and there's like five parallel pathways the entire time in the book so like if you're like you can't make any excuses you can't be like well i'm not doing bitcoin well there we have this other idea for an investment or we have this other yeah. idea. and there's all the different um ideas g going down that path the premise the the and and I and you, and you sprinkle it you hit it hard in the beginning and then you sprinkle it in throughout the book, is that at the end of the day what you want is um, freedom. Yeah, that's really it's what not, wealth is. Are you blown away when you? I have I know a lot of rich people who still aren't free. 
They didn't oh, use yeah. their wealth to become free. Isn't that mm. does that it owns them now, huh? Or you know what you mean? Or it, it's mm. kind of like this. This is going to be a, a, a crass example. I apologize, but the difference between um, having a harem and cheating on someone is that you're just honest. If you're dating, if you have like six six <laughs> girlfriends and you're honest with all of them, you have a harem. If you're not honest with them, you're a cheater. And no, so there becomes yeah. a there becomes a point where you're like, where are you going, Sebi? There becomes a point <laughs> where you have enough wealth to where you don't have to play the game with society anymore. Like you can start, like you can start chilling. You don't. You, um, there's it's like true. these there's these societal pressures that other people and games that they're playing that you don't have to worry about. You can slow down. You don't have to be in as much of a hurry. You don't have to wear those clothes. You don't have to live up to your wealth. It just doesn't matter anymore to you. Yeah, it's true. And some people actually years ago would call this FU money. Like we're just not right. supposed to care anymore. But it's and the there's some happy actually. that's where happiness resides too, right, Chris? Like the Part more right. Like when you're just like, oh, I don't have to always put on makeup when I leave the house. You get this. <sighs> There's definitely an underlying factor of confidence. You know, when you when you walk in a room, just knowing like you're not going to struggle with things that other people in the room are struggling with, like that does feel good sometimes. But, you know, the example that you used when we started the show is more what I think is actually happening when gym owners become wealthy is it's not F you money, it's help you money. And, you know, where you find happiness is not lording it over these two dudes that brought your fridge in. You find happiness in giving them the $20 that they didn't expect. And um, I think, you know, I figured it out around the same time that you did that like that's where happiness comes from it's it's service without servitude and and it's like generosity without uh taxation or like you know force generosity mm -hmm. it's empowering to reward people for um how you want to see the world yeah. i want to see the these two dudes were so polite they came in my house they delivered my fridge they were quick efficient and it was empowering to me just to be able to reward them to contribute back to them. It, yeah, it feels good for you. And hopefully it encourages them to do the same job at the next house too. You know, it's, it's like, those are the people who should be succeeding. And by and large, those are the gym owners who are out there. Nobody got in it for money. Everybody got in there to help. And if you give those people money, they're just going to help more. They're not going to turn into Scrooge McDuck type, you know, caricatures right. of wealth. The, the problem is that we've all been raised in a society. Maybe you excluded Sevi where, uh, wealth is is villainized, right? Every Disney movie. No, the, no, I was I was raised I was raised like that. Yep. Yeah. I was like like that. in my house, my parents were both in unions, but they're both anti-union. They didn't like it because they felt like they were trying to get something that they hadn't earned. But like uh, we were also taught, like you save money, you you put it away, you you tithe, and you you put it like in savings accounts, and, like you never spend, like you, and the the people who don't do that are like the the wealthy miser hoarders, and they're greedy, and they got their money from somebody else, and that's just not true, at least not with gym owners, and so these are the people who should have the money that gives them the leverage to do better things in the world from tipping the refrigerator guy to opening more gyms and saving more lives. Every single, every single, and I'm not saying it's every single, but every single per rich person I know, every single um, is the hardest worker I know and always does more than you expect from them. Yeah. Uh, across the board. The, every single, like, really rich person. Like, Greg always 
does more than is expected of him. My God, like, I don't know like, if, like always, if you uh, remember Sarah this. Sarah Cox, the lady of uh, the the California peptides guy, I can't believe she works harder than I do. Hardest working person I know and all most generous person I know and always does more than you expect of her. It's oh, crazy. delivers every time. All, yeah, everything. Yeah. Like, every oh, time, everything shit. she every does. Time, yeah. Everything she does, yep. Everything yeah. she does. There was a lesson on giving that I actually got from Greg. And I don't know how many people knew this, but like in the last year of CrossFit for Hope, the the foundation, like it, it raised, I don't know, 1.2 million and it cost Greg $3 million of his own money to do that, right? Because he had done so much promotion and and he had flown us down to uh, St. Jude to write about it and, and, you know, all this other stuff, right? Flowed us to Kenya to write about it. And at the end of that year, he sat us all down and he's like, okay. Um, you know, he definitely did not regret making that personal donation himself, but he said, instead of what we're going to do is we're going to find one place where $10,000 makes an immediate and profound difference and just give them the money instead of like spending 3 million to raise 1 million. That's kind of a drop in the bucket for these worthwhile, but huge charities. We're actually going to find like the client in the gym who, who like needs a new bed for her paraplegic son. This was an exact example that he gave, and we're just going to give her the money. And that's basically formed my philosophy of giving ever since I don't, I don't donate to like the Canadian Heart and Stroke Foundation. We buy bikes for 70 kids a year. You know, we don't um, send five grand to like the Cancer Society. We send kids an Xbox when they go into the hospital. Like, yep, yep. you know, and that all came from Greg. That's awesome. But anyway, I think, I think why, like, why, do, why yeah. do you do that? Do you not like getting down to the nitty gritty? Do you not trust? Do you, why do you do why do you do that because um 10 cents of every dollar will go to the cause that, yeah i had this funny. i had this discussion with my dad the other day i wanted to send a, 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 i knew someone that died and i wanted to send a gift to their living member and i wanted to send them a really nice candle that they wouldn't buy you know like a 250 dollar mm. just crazy nice candle yep and my dad's like what what does that do and I'm like, well, someone had to make that candle. Someone has to deliver that candle. You're giving something someone that they wouldn't buy themselves. He's like, well, wouldn't it be better, my dad's like, to just um, buy a, a, a tree in their name, donate to a tree project in their name. And he was so furious with me that he couldn't see the what I was going. He wanted me to give the money to a charity and then a tree be planted in that person's name. And I'm just like, man, if, I if I'm going to do that, I'm just going to go out and buy the trees myself and plant them and be like, take a picture and be like, hey, I planted these in my yard for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is still meaningful. Right, know? right. But no, it's exactly what Matt said. It's it's bureaucratic seepage. You give $100 to this thing. And of course, they have operating costs that they have to maintain. And they have offices that they have to maintain. And you know, by the time it actually reaches the the researcher or it reach, reaches like the caseworker on the ground, it's 10 cents now. And so I hate that bureaucracy is my biggest um, hate and the only hate in the world. And so what we do is we just go straight to the bike store and buy the kid a bike. <laughs> yep. Cut out all the BS. Yeah. Chris. I'm sure you have people, especially now, people are going to come to you and be like, okay, I want, I want to be, I want to be a millionaire. And by being yeah. a millionaire means you have a net worth of a million dollars, meaning yep. someone gave you six months, you could, and I just choose that time arbitrarily. You don't say that in the book, but if, if I give, I could walk, so anyone could walk up to Sevon and be like, hey, 
um, we need a million dollars cash from you. And within six months, I could get it with, without using yeah. any credit. I could, that's, you know, whatever. Yeah. I yeah. Without credit, that's important, man. Yeah. Right. I could liquidate my shit and, and get it, even bring you a suitcase, a duffel bag for a million dollars. Um, before we talk about what the first steps are, yeah. Um, that, and that is what the two, so, so two brain business, that is, is that the end goal of two brain business? Is that one of like for your staff? It's like, Hey, we want to make people independently wealthy. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. But some people are not at that point of their journey where they're really ready to embrace that yet. So the first goal is like, get your gym paying you. And then the second goal is we want your gym to pay you as much as you need for the life that you want and a little bit more. And the third goal is to take that little bit more and invest it somewhere so that you've got security, you've got growth, you've got like capital that you can leverage to buy out other gyms, et cetera. You know, um, late in like early in 2018, we were talking with Greg about like, what about these affiliates who are failing? And at that time there were even like a large number, but nobody was talking about them. And he said, you know, that's what's supposed to happen. Like the, this is just like how the free market works and the, the weaker gym folds and the owner of that hopefully gets a job coaching at a stronger gym and the clients follow them to the stronger gym and the stronger gym gets even better. And um, that's true. And it happens naturally given a long enough timeline. But if you can accelerate that timeline and you make some gym owners really successful, then you speed all that up. And so what's actually happening with a lot of people in the book right now is um, they're buying up other CrossFit gyms, giving those owners, letting them keep some equity, which is amazing, uh, hiring them as coaches and just letting them do what they love, which is coaching CrossFit or, or whatever it is, while the more successful owner takes over the marketing and takes, you know, basically turns it into a business for them. It, it's amazing to see it happen. A practical example you give in the book, by the way, when I asked Chris, so how do you get on the process to becoming independently wealthy? And he said, well, there's a few a few first steps and it, and maybe he'll give us some more road signs. But sure. before you start, some of the signs that you're ready to make that leap are um, you're no longer doing uh, the marketing or you're no longer doing like maybe it's the onboarding or you're no longer doing the taxes like you have systems. And can you explain that? Like some of the signs, yeah. that, oh, shit, I'm ready to kind of make the next step. Yeah. So basically it's like the, the gym can run without you. And so a lot of people will immediately say, I don't want it to, I want to be the coach. Awesome. But it could, if it had to. So if you had to take a month off because you were opening up a new gym across town, you could do that. If you had to take a month off because you're having a baby, you could do that. You know, if you get sick or injured or you, you're going to Cancun, wonderful. Like you can do that. And, um, that's the key. Like before you invest in anything else, you should have a gym that can run like a business. It doesn't need your constant presence. Doesn't live all up here in your head. It doesn't require you to be there 70 hours a week, like fix those problems first and then start thinking about the future. What does that mean? It doesn't live up there in your head. I think this, well, this is the part that scares me. Yeah, this is the, this was my biggest problem, right? Is like, I fell for the myth that if I was a really great trainer, I would have a great business. And, um, for years, I just believed that like, if I, if I get the next certification, my business will grow and people will think that I'm better. And like, that's all bullshit. That is a straight up lie. People write books just about how false that is. The, but the problem is that like, you know, we're happy to talk about training. We're happy to talk about fitness, 
But when it comes to the actual business, we don't tell anybody else how it should go. So we don't say to the staff person, hey, you should be here 10 minutes early. And like, here's what a good warm up looks like. And here's what you should be wearing. And, you know, here's how often we're going to like check in and, and talk about how well you're doing. And, you know, here's how loud you need to be. And so over and over and over again, I would hire these people with a lot of promise. I wouldn't tell them exactly what to do. I would keep the instructions up here in my head. And then I'd be really surprised when they failed. And like, uh, you know, it took me probably five years to realize that people couldn't read my mind and I had to just write it down. Yeah. And that was, that was a massive unlock for me. Matt's laughing because it all seems so obvious now because I think we all went through that, right? Like, yep. Yep. I hear yep. I hear Matt go through it. I'm like, hey, dude, what's up? Can you talk? And he's like, no, I got to go back to the gym. And I'll be like, yeah. what for? I, what for? It's 5.30 and I, I know you have 5.30 to 6.30 off. Like, I know his schedule. And he's like, oh, because I have to t- talk to one of my coaches because this happened. I'm like, oh, but two months ago, I heard you say that to the coach. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. But it's kind of like raising kids. Exactly. I it's it's it, it's like raising kids. I've said the, like the same thing to him like five hundred times, and it's like, I guess you have to find different ways to say it. Wow. Okay. Um, Hector uh, Trinta, Sevon, thanks for this show. Uh, they add value. Yeah, of course. I love having Chris on too. Uh, I have a garage gym, and I'm looking forward to growing it. Uh, uh, to yeah, grow awesome, it and man. affiliate. Where should I start to make the business part right? Go to start a gym. Um, so. All my books are free uh, today, by the way, if you want to go on Amazon and get them. If you go to startagymbook.com. Oh, shit. I bought your book yesterday. Can I get a refund? Yeah. I can mail you. <laughs> no, you're giving, Savon. You're giving. That's a giving. <laughs> we donate all that anyway. So thank Do you, you really? Do you really? Yeah, man. Since day one, we the um, the money that we make from book royalties gets donated. So Crazy. that's I probably can send you $1.76 back. Thanks. But I'm gonna have to shake down a kid who I probably gave a bike to and be like, "Fair you know, is fair, Chris. You, you better fair get a fair. you better get a paper route." Fair is fair. Where's my money, man? Um, so what sorry, he start with? actors. He should start with a starter gym book. I mean, the reality is the people who um, grow the fastest and get to millionaire status fastest are the people who start right. There are a lot of gyms in Two Brain where we have to spend years fixing mistakes that they made at startup. You know, and that's what slows you down. Like the, the gyms that come into mentorship before they even open, or even the people who like read that book, the started gym book, um, they're, they skip over like four years of beating your head against the wall. That's not an exaggeration. Like they get to the point I was six or seven years into gym ownership in a, their first year. Like, and one guy just actually broke our record. He opened up with 117 paying members on day one, Jimmy Davidson. Wow. Yeah. So you can get this for free today. You just go to startagymbook.com and that'll route you directly to Amazon and you just like click the Kindle and you get it for free. And if you want to pay for the paper book, the paperback, wonderful. You're buying a little piece of a bike for a kid. Oh, that's, that's where it goes. Um, what, what were we just talking about before we, uh, systems and getting it out of systems your head. and processes, getting it out of your head. So the book for that is actually Jim owner's handbook. So that's the second stage. So if you think about the stages of business, the first stage is ideation, which is just like you're, you're trying things, you're trying to get a good product market fit. That's the start of Jim book, start You get it for free. The next step is, okay, I've kind of got my audience figured out. I've got a good product. I'm proud of now I'm hiring staff. What do I do? That's gym owner's handbook. And 
if the first stage is ideation, the second phase is income. You have to build yourself an income or your box is going to go out of business and you're not going to help anybody. So you can get that book for free if you go to gymownershandbook.com. Uh, you have to do this today, by the way. Amazon only lets me do it for like 48 hours at a time. And then after the income stage, you get to the investment stage. Okay, now what am I going to do for the future? And that's where you're buying more gyms or you're just like buying real estate like I do. You can't really do that as well in California, but you, maybe you're taking your money out and putting it somewhere else, you know, deferring taxes even, you know, having a tax strategy will make you more than most other investments you can make. And so the, that All third stuff is clearly laid out in the book. Oh, right yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. No, no. Keep going. Keep going. If yeah. you go to Millionaire Gym Owner .com, you can get that book for free today. And then, you know, the fourth phase is really impact. Um, and that's where you're just doing stuff for free in your local community, uh, you know, over tipping the, the delivery guy, speaking at local universities about entrepreneurship. And that's kind of where I'm headed next. Um, I, I should have told my, I should have showed my kids me tipping the um, refrigerator guys, or I should have had my kids do it because yesterday we were at a stop sign off the freeway and it was pouring rain and a guy was begging for money. And Avi goes, Hey, why don't you give him money? And I said, because I don't, I'm not, I don't need the service he's giving. And he said, what, what service is he giving? I said, well, when you see him, what do you think? And he says, I feel bad. And I said, yeah, I feel bad too. And I go, so what would giving a money do? He goes, it would make me feel better. I go, yeah. I go, I don't need that service. Like I, I like, that's what I, you're like, buying. Like, yeah, that's what I'm buying. I'm buying. I'm buying the fact that like that's a profession, and what you're doing is is you're ma you're making people feel sorry for you. And and also, I was in that profession, so I know most of the people who are in that profession are also they have other jobs. They're they're thieves and they do drugs. Those are their other two primary jobs. Uh, so. But, but it was interesting. I wish he could have seen like he would have been like to me, well, hey, did you have to pay that guy, the refrigerator guy money? And I would say, no, I I, I wanted to because I, that's how appreciative I was of the service. I mean, that's the thing, too. Mm. Uh, let me let me do say something or ask you a question that's really self-serving. Why? Why did you? Why did you take it upon yourself to make sure that the behind the scenes happened? I know you didn't expect me to ask you this, but. I don't remember exactly how it went down, but you basically reached out to me. You said, I don't even know how you knew I was going to do the behind the scenes. Maybe someone told you. Um, and then no, you, you said, you called uh, me. Oh, I called you. I did. And we were just talking. And what did I say to you? We were mowing the grass at one of our rental properties. And uh -huh. you said, um, Hey man, you know, the, one of the best things that CrossFit is the best thing that CrossFit's ever done for its affiliates is tell stories. And, you know, you and Mike Workington and Tyson and, you know, the, you guys were master storytellers. And the best story to tell is the behind the scenes stuff at the games. And I agree with that. I love those stories more than I love, like, who wins? You know, I, I just, I love it. And you're the master of that. And actually, that's how we met. But that's a different story. Um, we met so at the you, games while I was filming the behind the scenes. We originally? met at the Canada East regional in 2012. Oh. And oh. I was, I was the media director because everybody else they hired quit before the event started. Okay, and I was the last man standing yep. and you were out on the floor with your ball cap pulled low. And I was like, who the fuck is that guy? Get out of here. And you were, <laughs> you were like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And then later on, I was like, actually that guy is like my, the boss of my boss of my boss of my boss. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have done. Um, but um yeah, yeah i agree like the the very best thing that we can do for affiliates to help them grow is to get these stories told and i'm very lucky that i get to work for affiliates but i don't have to work for hq 
And so when an opportunity to help affiliates comes up, whether CrossFit HQ is going to support it or not, I can just do that. And, you know, it falls back to Greg's original principle of like, find a place where this much money will make that much difference and just give the money. And I, that was in my head as you were saying it. And before you even stop talking, I was like, let's do it. Like mine made up. I don't think I was, I wasn't good. Was I trying to pitch you on it? I don't think. No, you would never, okay, never okay, do okay. that. You, yeah, I don't you call me and you were telling me about it. And I, my son and I were mowing the grass at one of our rental properties. And, and as soon as you started talking about it, I was like, this is an amazing opportunity. And I'll be candid. Like uh, at the same time, CrossFit was asking us to sponsor uh, more affiliate summits. And um, so we were debating doing that. And I was like, this will help affiliates way more. And so that's what we did. And, and I remember uh, thinking, and maybe this is a poor man's mindset. And, um, but I remember thinking, and my dad was always guilty for the money he made, even though my dad worked his, my dad worked so hard. My dad was always guilty because he came from a very poor upbringing. So he always felt guilty for the, for money he made. Um, and he would express that to me. Like it was a fact, yeah. like he should feel guilty. But, but I, then I didn't contact you for a month. You're like, okay, someone send me an invoice and I'll send you over the money. And then a month later, and I was like, man, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think he know. He must have been drunk or something. And a month later, you contact <laughs> He's me. Drunk. Yeah, yeah. Geez. And then a month later, uh, you call me and you're like, hey, are we going to do this or what? And I'm like, yeah. well, I haven't even told you what I'm going to give you. You're like, oh, I, I, it doesn't matter. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Um, and then I read your book and. Uh, there's, there's this, th uh, a section in the book that the whole reason you do what Chris Cooper does is because you want to get to a place to give away a million dollars a year. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I don't remember what a that trippy, was the book, but yeah, that's in the millionaire, uh, gym owner book. Okay. What a, tr I've never heard anyone have that goal ever. Like it is really, it is nice being nice. And of course, only the people who have money can give money away, but I've never heard that as a goal. Well, so I was having this conversation with our CFO, Bob Govro at the time. And he's like, this was about a year and a half ago. And he's like, you know, some of the people on your like higher level staff are saying that your motivation is dipping. They're a little bit worried about your energy. And I was like, about, yeah, about you personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like what's going on? And uh, I was like, well, you know, to be honest, I'm old. Like, I'm old. What do you mean? I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm withered up. I'm a dry yeah, punch. Well, Exactly. I, I can try taking like a testosterone patch if you want me to, but no, I was just like, you know, we, two brain is bigger than I ever thought. My gym is great. Like I have everything I need. And then some, I don't even have to worry about putting money away for retirement anymore. Like we're, we're good. You know, I still drive a 2017, uh, you know, GMC truck. Like I just, I don't care about that stuff. And he said, well, what's the best thing you did last year? And I, I was telling him, like, this was the first year that we had bought a bunch of bikes for local kids. And we had set this all up with this bike shop and we had bought like 52 or 54 bikes. And um, I was like, that's the best. It was awesome. And, and also we gave 10,000 of this and 10,000 of that. And he's like, well, how much did you give away total last year? And I said, it was probably around 100 grand. And he's like, what if you could 10x that? So forget about 10xing your business or your income or your profit or your savings. Like, what if you could 10x what you gave away? And I just kind of went, holy shit. And from that moment on, 
uh, just had like renewed energy to grow everything. And so it's our mission now to give away a million dollars a year for the rest of our lives. And um, 2023, we did about 250,000. Um, this year, we're already like well over 100,000. Some of that is uh, donations. Some of that is just like that kid needs a bike. Some of that is angel investment in uh, cancer research or other causes like that too. But like right to the entrepreneur, not to the cancer society. Um, you know what else is Amazing. interesting about that? Thank you. You're doing it. Um, Greg never did those things for brand value. No, he did no. those things because he could do those things. And you're not doing it for brand value either. You're doing it because you can do it. Well, I think it's part of happiness. Like you have to hit a certain level of wealth. And I, you know, most people in our economy actually have hit that, right? Like the a, a, a low income person in the North American economy is still wealthier than any other person in history. So we've kind of achieved that level of wealth. The problem now is like, if we're so smart, why aren't we happy? Like, why are none of us happy? And when you start thinking about it, you start thinking about what actually makes you happy. And the paradox of wealth is like, what makes you happy is giving it away. Uh, for me, anyway, and maybe for Greg, I don't know. I I, I went to um I went to Africa and um I, I lived at home with my mom and I was working for this company called Vitamin Angels and I was making a thousand dollars a month. Um, you know, working 80 hours a week, flying all over the world. And um, when I, I went to this one village and I was filming and there was a guy there and he had five kids, five grandchildren, um, the mom, they were five grandchildren from his daughter who is, who's dead from five different fathers who weren't around. And this was in a village where there were, um, there were no objects, right? Like they didn't have pots and pans. Everyone lived in teepees. You know, there were, it just didn't look anything like you had seen. There were uh, no stores. They didn't deal. They didn't have any. Uh, they didn't uh, buy stuff with money. What wasn't like that. Um, prehistoric shit. And when I was there, the, the, the father was like 80, 70, 80, 90. He was old, very in, uh, frail. And when I was when I left, I bought him five goats, I think. Well, when I came back two years later, he had a wife. And it was because of the goats I bought him. He explained yeah. to the translator that when I bought him a goats, he got a wife, and then that wife helped him with the kids. Another trip I took there, I don't know what ended up happening, but I was in a village similar. This was in Malawi, and I had once again, I had no money. I, I bought a bike for this kid with the last 140 bucks I had in my pocket, and, and I immediately turned him into middle class. He turned that into a taxi service. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was cra it was crazy, yeah. dude. It was crazy. That's what I love about a bike. And, you know, that's why I'm not just it's giving away free CrossFit kids memberships at my gym. I'm giving yeah. bikes because like if, if you're a kid and to be honest, like we give them to foster kids first. So last year, every kid in foster care in our city got a bike from us. Wow. And, and the, cool, uh, dude. thanks. Yeah. It was that's awesome. Really cool. Yeah. Cause we lived on bikes as kids. I'm sure you did too. Exactly. I lived on my bike. Yep. A bike can be a path to, entrepreneurship you can get a paper out still that still exists it can also be a path out of a really bad situation like if you have to get away from and uh, that's you know that's why we do bikes. and fitness and it was the only and fitness i ever got fitness. it was yeah, the only fitness i ever got i didn't even know i was getting fit but i just rode my bike everywhere yeah yeah you want to meet with your friends it's they're a mile and a half that way like go <laughs> so 
when when people come to Two Brain, do they just straight up say that now? Will they just say, "Hey, I want to be, I want to be a, a millionaire gym owner. I want to get my net worth up to a million. No, or never. That- I mean, eighty no? percent of the time, it's like I'm I'm close to the end. I'm burned out. I've been trying this. You know, we've had two CrossFit affiliates in the last two weeks who've been around for fourteen years, and they're giving and giving and giving, and they've changed thousands of lives, and they they're just close to the end. Like they've never made the money. They don't see they don't see a future. Like, how can I keep doing this? I'm going to have to go get a job in real estate. And, um, so a lot of the time that's the position they're in. Now we can turn that around most of the time pretty quickly. And then once they start seeing success, they can lift their head up a little bit and say, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is actually going okay. Now, how do I make sure this continues or how do I like actually build a future? to be honest, most of them are saying now that I'm making an income, how do I do the same thing for my staff? Like that's their first concern. So we show them that. And then from there it's um, uh, like, how do I continue to keep this thing going so that my staff will have their jobs even when I'm done and my kids will still have, you know, uh, there are stuff when I'm gone and I won't be a burden on my parents or on my kids either. Um, should I, should I, if as a gym owner, should I come to you like that? Should I, should I be like, Hey, I mean, uh, Chris, hi, this is Savon. Hey, what's up? <laughs> uh, dude, I, 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 I listen to the podcast. I'm ready, dude. I've been doing yeah. this for five years. I'm ready. Get me on the path in three years. I want to be like, okay, I'm working five hours less a week and I have, and I can see my retirement in 10 years. I want to be like, holy shit. I'm working like five hours a week and I'm fully like, I see that I'm going to make $60,000 the rest of my life. And, and, and yeah. if I didn't lift another hand. Yeah, that's right. I mean, definitely you want to be emotionally ready. And I wasn't until I, I had to get what rock does that bottom. Mean? What does that mean? Emotionally ready? What does that mean? What are you, well, you asking to chop off their hand or something? Yeah. I mean, prove it. Right? Like <laughs> hurt yourself. What do you, what, yeah. What do you mean? No, it's so I was a pretty immature entrepreneur. Right. And I had this big ego, like, I'm just going to figure this out. Like I'm smart enough. I can grind. No problem. I'm going to figure this out. And things just kept going downhill until I hit rock bottom and didn't have a choice anymore. And that's when I sought help. Most of the people who come into two brain are more mature than I was and they're ready to accept help now. And, um, those are the people who accept, who ascend fastest. And, you know, there's a lot of them in this book who they showed up and they said, I'm tired of trying to figure this out, screwing up, making mistakes, feeling like I'm failing. You just tell me what to do and I'll do that. And two and a half years later, their gym is super profitable. They're a millionaire. They have like an Airbnb asset down in Arizona. This is like the Taryn Debril story from the book. Um, and it's just because they said, I'm ready. You know, it, it, it's, it doesn't matter like how much revenue you're making or not making. It's in your head. Are you ready to accept help? Just like your clients ready to accept coaching and fitness. Give, give me an example. Give me an example. Give me an example what that looks like. Yeah. If someone may, maybe it's, you have to give me an example of someone who's not ready, but give me an example so I can kind of objectify it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of, of examples in the book, right? So one of the best examples, man, and this is the most fun affiliate owner you'll ever meet. His name is Jake Fields. He got kicked out of two CrossFit gyms <laughs> and he's like, but I just love this. I don't know what, how he got kicked out. Uh, 
I just love this. I'm, I need to buy, you know, a rogue cage and I need to put it in my garage. So he calls up rogue and he puts it in his garage and then his neighbor comes over and then their neighbor comes over. And before he knew it, he's got a dozen people working out in his garage. Like you guys know this story. It's so familiar. And then he's like, ah, oh, geez, I better rent some space. And so he rents some space and that becomes CrossFit devotion. And then he becomes like, you know, the best gym in Seattle. And, um, the thing with with Jake is that he's so humble that it didn't take him long f- for him to be like, I'm ready for some help here. Like this is kind of happening by accident. Let me get some business help, you know. And and so he reached out right away. What does he see? What does he see, Chris, that makes him know it? what's the first signpost? I think it's probably the realization that I didn't have and that they're like, I'm good at fitness, I'm passionate about this, I love helping people but business is a different skill set and it's like not me, being able to even pay the bills. Like what, like I'm, I'm looking for something like really tangible. Like what is yeah, it like, like? Oh shit. Chris just described me. Like I, I don't pay the bills. I don't know how to do my taxes. I'm I don't scared, scared to look at my bank account. Um, I don't hire wow. a book. Yeah. I don't hire a bookkeeper. I don't know how much money is coming in March 1st on my billing cycle. I've never looked at that report in my payment processor. <laughs> What's my um, churn percentage? What's the lifetime value of a customer? What are those even? Yeah. Mean? Like where yeah, are the next five customers mean? coming right. from? Like, okay. Right. Like you don't even, you don't even know. You don't even have a plan. You're just like hoping <laughs> and like, Oh my God, I hope somebody walks in today or, or not even knowing like, Hey, if Matt walked into my gym today, would he sign up? Like, if you don't know that or the path to, to fix that, like you're ready for help. <laughs> and, and I didn't know that, you okay. know? So the smart people, the mature people, they embrace that help early on, you know, another, Exactly. So, so sorry, but I want to, yeah. sorry, I took that. So then Jake okay. comes to you. I want to keep you back on the story. So yeah. then Jake comes to you. It sounds like he has a positive attitude, a lot of energy. Um, and then humility, you, hu- humility. And oh, so yeah. you start helping put him these systems in place. And are there pages in the book? Like this thing that you talked about going back in the beginning of the podcast where, um, uh, do you, does it live in your head or is it written down? Like first thing you do, what you always have to turn the lights off, always turn the heat down, yeah. always make sure that there's a schedule every Monday at 3 PM. Do you have all of that in the two brain mentorship? So I don't have to write it all down. Like is oh, there a hundred percent. Yeah. It's all there. Yeah. Copy, paste, copy, paste, tweet yeah. for your gym. Right. Yeah. Like you guys, you know, you said turn the heat down. Like that's in my playbook for my staff. That might not be in your playbook for your staff. Right. Yeah. But those things are th- like, those are the things that like, um, I saved you $10 here a month. I saved you $25 here a month. Yep. I brought in two more clients here a month because of just these things. Like, don't forget to pr- turn your open sign on. Like, don't be, if it, if, it, if your open signs burnt out, that needs to be the number one thing you call when you go in the morning, and get someone to come fix it. Like, Oh yeah. Think, right. There's these things. You can't have the R light out on your, on your sign out front. You look like a douche. And who do you call to fix it? When you call them, how do you schedule the appointment? Who schedules it? Who oh yeah. You need a wife. You, you need a wife. Exactly. <laughs> my my wife often jokes that she needs a wife. I can't even make yeah. a dentist appointment. And don't let the Chris, Chris kind of like the way he's talking about it is like, yeah, we have all that set up, but I want to express that that will take you years to figure out. The oh, first yeah. year you're going to be super gun ho. You're going to take on the world. You're going to be like, I don't care that I wake up at 4 a.m. and I work until 930 every night. I love this stuff. Yeah. Call me in about five years because you're going to fucking hate it. But what he's talking about with the systems there and to be able to copy paste something and then just massage it to your individual needs saves you an enormous amount of time. Because when I first started down that pathway, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. How do I, so I write this down and it's like, yes. And then where do I put that? 
How do you disseminate that to your other coaches? Is there a booklet that does that? Do you do that on digital? What happens if it's something that takes more explanation? Does that include a video of you explaining it? Right. So this is not something just to gloss over and the value that just having systems laid out that you could quickly move maneuver to your own business. It's a yeah. huge value. I, I challenge every I, I, I endorse every I take three Sevy. Get the audio book of, of uh, Millionaire Gym Owner. I don't care what your job is. doesn't matter. I, I'm not, I don't own a gym. I don't want to own a gym, nothing. And I'm already – it changed me already. Like it, it pushed things to my forefront of my brain that I really need to think about. And uh, it does it in a gentle way. It didn't The book didn't stress me out at all. Get that book. Get, it's on Audible. I couldn't find it on Apple. Uh, download it. Uh, get on the assault bike. Put it at 1.5 speed and, um, and, and just listen. That, that's what I did last night. I made it through – three quarters of the book. I'm telling you, everyone, wow. you will be so happy um, that you listen to this. It's just going to remind you of some things. Okay, I need to do this. I should do this. Oh, it's going to inspire you. It's, it's, I wasn't stressed out once, by the way. It just inspired oh, me. Yeah. Thanks, man. It, it confirms some things. All, all, And everything in there is just stuff that people already know. They just, it, it's like um, movement. It's like CrossFit. You already know it all. But, <laughs> but as you go to a gym or your L1, it reminds you, you're like, oh yeah, this is the truth. Here's the steps. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what was really important to me. So I had, um, I had somebody do the interviews for me in the book because I was so familiar with each of these people that I would probably just fill in gaps in my head and I didn't want to do that. So we hired an interviewer and over the last year, he went back to them again and again and again. How exactly did you do that? What exactly were the steps? How much money did you do with this? And that's what's in there. So if they if they told you they did it one way one time and one day the other time then they can be like okay which one was the truth and they could like pin it down like I don't, yeah, I don't mean and, that in a nefarious way but that's the way life is did you really put your right shoe on first or your left shoe first and those are the details that people who are ascending the ladder want to know yeah and I didn't also just want to just like share what I did because that's not going to work for everybody you know like mm -hmm. the the last story in the book is Trace Kennedy and his real epiphany here was like he he started a church and then sorry he started, sorry sorry chris i think this happened last time we'll, we'll do we'll do the church hold uh, hello hi this is Orlando from best buy because i'm an advocate calling on the line am i speaking with Sepan? uh yeah this is me are you going to come fix my fridge right yes i'm Sepan. um yeah um thank you so much for having me today first um yeah i'm calling today with because you are here from best buy and this order was created on February 7, 2024. Then um, I just want to ask for Sevan, your last name, as well as your email. Uh, my last name is Matosian, and my email is sevanmatosian at gmail. Hey, could I give you my wife's phone number and you call her? I'm, I'm in the middle of a podcast. Would that be possible? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're, you're very, very sweet. Thank you. It's it's 805. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hold on, there. You should probably mute yourself. There, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Haley's phone number is. <laughs> hey, Chris, I got a question for you. So, yeah. I'm, and this is, I'm going selfish with this one here, just because it's like legitimately a question that I have. As as I'm building staff, I have somebody now, and I have for um, officially kind of wrote out all the procedures and gave the system of like a GM, right? So, like nice. this person, I want to run the gym and literally replace everything that I that I do. Mm. Um, can this per, can can they also sign up for the two, two brain mentorship and then have you work with them as like the head coach in charge it? Cause I would give them autonomy to make any adjustments or changes um, that you guys would recommend. Yeah, that, that actually happens quite a bit. Um, in fact, I, I put my own managers 
with a two brain mentor too, because I don't really just have the time to mentor them or, or work with them myself. So you find that quite often with people at this level, the gym's going, well, I want it to maintain. I don't want it to go backward while I'm working on learning about investments or opening the next location or, or exploring the purchase of other gyms. So like my save game button is get the manager a mentor. And, um, you know, the, the manager's job is really to maintain what you have. It's rare that a manager can keep growing the gym for you, but we can teach them how to do that. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, and then I, I keep going back to this uh, question that I, I feel like, how do we create like generous incomes for coaches? I feel like yeah. this industry in particular has a very much like, I volunteer because I love to do this, but I have another job. I want to do this full yeah. time, but I have to coach at three gyms in order just to be poor. Right. And so <laughs> I'm to buy that trailer park. <laughs> that's home. It. I got to qualify. Yeah. And so have you like, have you thought about this question? The reason why I ask it again, I'm just going selfish here because I have you in front of me. Like I have contracts with departments. I have to turn down more contracts with departments than I could take on because number mm -hmm. one, I don't want to continue to load those onto my plate because I, I love to help out with the podcast and the other stuff that I do. Right. But I need somebody who's a really hot, uh, like high qualified individual that could run their own department. Have you, have you put to put any thought towards that? Um, yeah. as far as where do you find these individuals? Like, should I just poach them from other gyms and be like, how much are they paying yeah. you? I'll double it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, <sighs> Right now in this economy, you, you often do have to look outside your gym to hire, but th there's steps. So the first step is like, make sure your gym can pay you, right? Like you are the, you are the proof that your gym can actually afford to pay somebody a good wage. And so that's why we mentor the owners first, as soon as it can do that, definitely like we want to pay your coaches a good wage. And the, um, the way that you do that is not like by cutting out income or kicking your profitability down the road, because what you're doing is you're getting somebody to take a risk and quit their full-time job and work for you on this sketchy premise that maybe it'll work out, you know, right. and, and it often won't. So you have to prove that your business can afford a full-time person by paying yourself that first. The next step is you have to say like, okay, where can this person add value and what will I do with the time that I save? So if I've got somebody who's going to be the general manager, for example, that's wonderful. You've, you've given yourself the freedom of time, like that's half of wealth, but what are you going to do with that time? You know, you're young enough that you have to know where you're going to reinvest that time for it to be worthwhile hiring a manager. Like most gyms are an owner operator business until you reach the point where you're like, I need a little bit more free time or I'm ready to retire. And so to create that, that margin, of now I've got this new $80,000 a year manager salary to pay for. What am I going to do with my time to generate that? And, and typically what that means is that the, the owner upgrades their marketing skills or they double down on, um, you know, whatever that is, locations or whatever to create those opportunities. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, that yeah. was a form of freedom. I can just on my podcast, take a call yeah. from uh, uh, the Best Buy guy. I, I really mean that, that, that is, that's my freedom. I made this world so that I can give out your wife's cell phone number for the important yeah, stuff. Yeah, I could just yeah. act like a jackass host. People be like, <laughs> how how unprofessional of you. I agree 100%, but it's my freedom. Chris, a church story. So there was a gym owner who ran a church. You were, yeah, you Trace Kennedy. Okay, so tell me that story. Church 
um, had two passions in life. First is church and second CrossFit. His wife was a substitute teacher and he decided that his calling was to found his church. And so he says he planted his church, which I, I love. And so he started his church and then he's like, actually, this takes a lot of time and money. <laughs> I, I better get a business going that can support me and my family and this church. And so he started with a gym and he's like, all of my energy is going into running this church. You tell me how to run this gym. And we started working with Trace very early. Uh, he like just recently became an actual millionaire. And where's that money go? Into growing his church. And uh, it's a really inspiring story. Uh, and it's the 14th story in the book. What uh, this is way off topic, but what is the what is the church business? You you open, you get a space, and you start um, t telling people about God, and then they donate money. Is that the business model? What's the business model for a church? Depends what you're in. Like the business model for a Catholic church is very different than a business model for starting up like a, a Baptist church with one pastor in Alabama, like like Trace did. And like there's there's no college governing churches. You can start up a church this afternoon in your garage if you want to and and uh, create your own path to faith, whatever you call it. Right. Like but churches um, are I've never paid to go to church. Like you just go like how do they make money? How do church? Well, you have to you give. um like tithing or like uh, donations or like my parents' church is like a collection plate that they pass around. Yeah. Yeah. They had that. My dad would be like, Hey, put this in there. Yeah, exactly. And then that money is usually split between like local things, paying the, that's the business the passing that plate around. That's the yeah, man. Hey dude, that's some of people's hey, gyms. Listen, that's funny. That, that's what gyms that, do still this day. Hey, really? Put the check in the box and yeah. I'll remind you on Instagram and I'll text you when you don't. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's how this right. show. Hey, that's how this show works. <laughs> oh, this is what we've been building to. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Just pass the collection plate here. Sevi. Yeah. That's how I swear to God. That's how this show works. I mean, you, you, the, you, you were like, Hey, Sevy, give me the collection plate. I mean, that's seriously how this show works. Yeah. Fuck, this show's a mess. What a mm. show it's, it's not true. I mean, in some instances that works just fine. Right. Uh, so far so good. So far. Yeah, so good. exactly. Exactly. Wait till they see what we're hiding in the basement. Oh, <laughs> Nelly. We're in big trouble. <laughs> Oh, Pass the dude. plate first before you have the uh, the confessional. Do you do you know any gym that's um, that's just stumbled upon success? Oh, sorry, Susie, I know you're going to ask a question. Do you, do you see gyms that have just stumbled upon success? And if they do, are you weary of it? Are you like, okay, you stumbled upon it, but it's going to be hard to keep? Yeah, yeah, short term for sure. You see that a lot. Like um, I was the first CrossFit gym in my town that attracted you know, 20 people on opening day. Um, a lot of the early affiliates in big cities, uh, you know, and a lot of them are with us now, they saw this early success and like what they didn't understand was that the market was good. Not that they were good business owners necessarily. So, you know, I could pick out a random city. Um, uh, I don't know. Give me, give me a popular city. Like, I don't know anybody. There in, aren't any in the United States anymore. Okay. So let me, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to pick like Dallas, right? I don't know who owns CrossFit Dallas or whoever did. So I'm not, I'm not singling anybody out here, but if you're the first CrossFit affiliate in Dallas and you call it CrossFit Dallas, you are catching this massive wave of early adopters, people who are curious, people who have been paying attention and waiting for a box to open. Okay. That doesn't last very long. And it lasted two to three years in the States. That's literally what's happening right now in uh, like mid Europe. And two or three years ago, that's what was happening in Western Europe. You would open your gym. It would be like, 
uh, CrossFit Paris, okay? And you would just have 300 members and you would say, hey, I am damn good at business, but really you're not good. The market is good. And that, that market changes over time. And so that, that early adopter phase usually lasts two to three years. And then things start going downhill. And I got this call, I don't know, three or four years ago from this a guy in Atlanta. He opened up the first CrossFit in Atlanta. And he's like, you can't sell CrossFit in Atlanta for more than 79 bucks a month anymore. There's so many affiliates. We're driving the prices down. Now, that isn't true. Like there were a lot of good affiliates in Atlanta. Miles Davis, Rick Thompson, like I can give you, you know, Brandon Brigham, these guys are selling CrossFit for 200 bucks a month, delivering a great product, but they knew what they were doing, you know? Um, it, and so like, is there like an, an advantage to some people luck into it? I don't know if it's luck or if it's foresight, like, Hey, I want to be the first person to bring CrossFit to Spain. Like that's smart in my opinion, but like, the tactic that gets you that first 300 members is not going to work for very long. So you have to eventually like set up a real system. Um, it reminds me of the gas station down the street from my house. It's the shittiest gas station in town and I would never go there except it just happens to be close. And it's just a complete, exactly. just the way the, the in and out of the, the driveway is the way the curbs are set up, the way one pump's always out of order, the way there's always some crackhead out by the door. It's just like, but but the, they're lucky they got the location and in the market everyone wants gas. Yeah. Yeah. So First mover advantage is huge. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so what I heard you just say is you don't you don't need to wait to start reading these books until shit hits the fan. Like shit's really good for you, but you're working 50 yeah. hours a week, but you're you're but you're 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 bringing home let's say a uh, hundred thousand dollar as the owner you're bringing a hundred thousand dollars a year now's the time to like dude don't wait till shit hits the fan start reading these books now and put the systems in place now because yeah. this moment might not last forever and so if you're if yeah. you're if you're if you're if, if you already have made it past the first few runs but you don't have a uh, an ability to walk away for two months from your gym and make sure it survives then now's the time like do it yeah. And, and more than that, it's like th all these things take time. Like when you're starting up the, the stuff that you have to do, you can do it in a day. Later on, if you have to fix mistakes, that can take a year. And, you know, when you start looking at like investing in things, you know, my first investment was buying a building. I had just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It took me two and a half years to find a building and save up like the down payment to get it, you know, and then I quickly paid the building off. And that was kind of my first step. Now we own a bunch of them. but. Um, it, it takes time. You like, you're better to learn it right now so that you're aware of and looking for opportunities. Would you recommend that book? Rich dad, poor dad? A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I keep 20 copies of it on my shelf and I give a copy to every kid in our family when they graduate high school, along with how to win friends and influence people. And, um, you know, I, I try to keep like books like that on hand when entrepreneurs come into the cafe, I just say, here, go read this, you know, all the what, time. what, what cafe? Um, so I bought the, the building that the gym is in and then an office building next door, uh, came up for sale within a year. And, um, it was, it was a kid's daycare, it really not a good one. The biggest asset they had was the chef. And so, uh, you know, Mary was 62, maybe years old. And I said, Mary, like, why don't you open your own cafe in this building? I'll buy the building. You open the cafe. And now who's, who's uh, Mary? Mary is 
the chef at uh oh, this cafe the chef. okay yeah yeah I, and, how sexist of me i assumed it was when you said it was a good chef i assume it was a male i apologize god i'm such a sex her husband's not a good chef no okay. um all right. All right. but now i've got this you know this couple and she just told me yesterday like she loves this every day she runs this cafe it's super profitable it's tremendous for me like I twice a day, I'll text her and say, can I have lunch? And she'll just like walk it back to me. Uh, anybody that comes to visit me at two brain HQ, like we really, really well. Um, but it, it, there was an opportunity for entrepreneurship for her. And like, honestly, that's, that's my favorite thing about gym ownership is most people in our society do not have a clear path to wealth that entrepreneurs do. And so the best thing to do, if you ever want to become wealthy or, or create like freedom of time and finances for yourself is open a business. You pretty much have to do that. One of the easiest and best businesses to open is a gym. And so that's why I'm so passionate about painting that entire journey from starting to like sorting out the mess to actually becoming wealthy for people to attract more people to gym ownership. You can start a gym for $15,000 today and be a millionaire in five years. And that's not just TikTok, Instagram garbage. <laughs> Uh, one hundred seven twenty-two. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to hear more about this cafe. So this it's it's a yeah. legitimate cafe where like you have an inspector come and check for roaches and oh, like yeah. make sure that your soup is hot enough and like they do all that shit like where they yeah. come and dime you and and mess with you. Yeah, it's it's this amazing little microcosm. So there's a what they call Chris feeding your soul. Okay. Yeah. Microcosm. Yeah. So there's the gym is connected to this building, which has a cafe, a psychotherapist and some other small business entrepreneurs in it. And, um, it, yeah, it, it's just an amazing place to go and spend the day. Yeah. You know? Uh, that's, that's wild. Um, yeah. So you own a cafe also. I don't own it. I'm their landlord. Oh, so you, yeah, just, you persuaded the chef from the preschool to open a cafe in the same yeah. spot. Yeah. I don't want to open a cafe, right? Like, um, as a friend of mine said to me, when I was talking about opening a coffee shop years ago, he's like, why do you want to ruin the other thing that you love? <laughs> like you've already got a gym. <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't want to open a cafe ever. Right. That sounds like that's the reason why not to have a mistress. Why do you not, don't ruin the other thing you love a collection plate. Thank you. Zach. Oh, absolutely. Hey, two oh, bucks. Well oh, a dollar 99. Oh, oh, look okay. at this. Uh, oh, uh, monthly tithing. Oh, thank you. Jeez, monthly I, tithing. I mean, you know, in our modern society, very few of us pay a monthly tithe to a church. Why wouldn't you pay a monthly tithe to a gym and look at your $150 membership as like tithing? Like if you're not going to invest 10% of your income in spirituality, why wouldn't you invest 10% of your income in your health? Clip to, that me, one too. It, to me, what'd you say, Sousa? I said clip that one too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, 109. Uh, hey, to me, it seems like a complete no brainer if you wanted to donate money to your um, community, even if you didn't belong to a CrossFit gym, is to give your money to the CrossFit gym. I, yeah. I seriously don't think that there's anything. I'm trying to think. I don't think there's anything better you can do for your community than have a CrossFit gym. It's, it's a place where people are going to go into, and when they walk out an hour later, healthier, happier more generous, greater contributor, uh, demand uh, fewer resources from the community. Like every way it's a net positive for the community. I mm. made a um, I made a post on some CrossFit Games athletes uh, account one time. Like, hey, if you want to donate to a charity, 
donate to a CrossFit gym. There's no better charity. And you should have yeah. seen the hate I got. But to me, it's just pure. <laughs> it's purely logical. It's 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 one. It's 100% logical. Every every other place in the community benefits from a crossfit gym there's there's no there's no downside oh but they dropped the barbell shut up like <laughs> figure it out like, figure it out sponsor a kid in a crossfit kids program you know, if you want to better your community crossfit kids don't sell math right put right. a kid into crossfit kids for and, three months you know change their life and it's a force multiplier too we're, we're all just mirrors here so you every person that goes to crossfit is now a walking uh example of what everyone else should be doing in society just taking accountability and personal responsibility for their health. Yeah. Uh, so I, I th go ahead. I, th I think it's important to, to state that too. I mean, we could talk about like what CrossFit could do for affiliates and stuff if you want to, but you know, one of the, one of the key messages that CrossFit started with that's been lost is that we're forging elite fitness. And a lot of people look at that as a divisive term, like, Oh, you have to be elite to go there. That's not actually the case. What we're doing is taking ordinary people and bringing them to an elite level of fitness to serve as uh, an example to everybody else and, and pull the entire uh, circus tent up. Um, and I think like, that's something that CrossFit should be talking about instead of apologizing for. Mm. I, I agree. Yep. I agree. The, 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 I, I think the, the primary element of the brand value is the fact that it's not easy and that if you should do this relative to the other people who are in society today, you are, you should be proud. Yeah. You should you should be proud. It's hard and it makes you better and it makes everyone around you better. You should be proud. And it shouldn't be something we should shy away from. What do you think about this notion of when you speak about trying to speak to everyone? Well, I mean, unfortunately, like the, the best law of marketing that just becomes clearer and clearer to me over time is that you have to know your niche really, really well. Like you have to know who your product is for. It's not for everyone. You know, so when you guys said who should start with two brain, like I, I gave you. A couple of things like you've got to be this and this and this right it's the same at a crossfit gym and so yes you do want media out there saying it's hard it's not for everyone but it can be for anyone you want that but that can't be your entire media like you you also have to say here is why you don't want average fitness average fitness is not good enough you want like elite fitness that nobody else in your friend group has and you should be striving for that you might never hit it Right. And here's why you should be looking at the fittest people on earth, not because you're going to compete in the CrossFit games, not because you're going to throw down ever, maybe, but you want to be looking at them as like examples of how far your body can go and how much buffer you can build for your own health and how far ahead of chronic disease you could get. Like, that's why we need these examples. And, and that's where, you know, CrossFit needs to serve as an inspirational source, as a picture of elite fitness and not shy away from that. Yeah. Um, do you do you see a future? Is it uh, uh? Do you have thoughts about where the future of CrossFit's going? Like as yeah. a as a, where do you think where do you think it's headed as a as a company as a brand? Where do you think it's going? Okay, yeah. Thanks for saying that. Because as a method, um, it's it's great the way it is. You don't really have to change anything. I mean, you mm. you could talk about like Zone Two once in a while and stuff. I think you know, whatever. But as a company, I, I think like something that hit me really hard this year that I hadn't figured out until we started getting approached by private equity companies that wanted to buy two brain 
is that private equity companies don't buy a brand because they're going to keep it for 30 years. They buy it to increase its value by about 20% and then they sell it. So this, this epiphany to me this year was that the current owners of CrossFit are probably not going to be the same owners of CrossFit in about three years. And that's just how private equity works. I, you know, I haven't heard that from Don Fall or anybody else. Nothing gives me that impression other than understanding how private equity works. If you see a boat on land, you know, eventually it's going to go in the water. That's what boats do. Yeah, exactly. You not, know, no, no judgment. That's just what boats do. Yeah. It's a life and, and so that's right. Like that, that's the business that they're in. And, and so, you know, understanding that gives you a little bit of clarity. Like somebody will always want to own the CrossFit baseball card. It's not going to always be the same people. They're going to trade it for something else. So um, understanding that like the play is going to always be, we need to increase the value of this thing that we just bought by 20%. And we need to have potential revenue streams that appeal to the next buyer so that they can increase its value by 20%. Okay. So far, nothing wrong with that. That's their business, but that explains why they will start things like we're going to, we want to start our own software company. We want to start our own mentorship practice. We want to have our own soda company. We want to settle the NSCA lawsuit as quickly as we can. You know, we, we want to raise affiliate fees like fast. So there's no, you know? What I'm hearing you say is there's no long-term brand value goals. Well, like the NSCA case was a long-term brand value goal. Of Greg's, I mean, he wouldn't state it like that, but it would have been. You know what I mean? Like that would have paid. Been. That yeah. would have paid huge dividends, um, in fifteen years. Massive. Yeah. yeah, right. So, like, there's value to that, but the the typical or or any private equity company that I've been exposed to, they're not thinking like fifteen, 15 years. years. They're they're no, you know, they're thinking like usually a three to five year time horizon. And what's happened now with most private equity companies is because interest rates have gone up so much, there's way more pressure on them to make back their investment faster. So, um, you know, if, if you look at like actual affiliate numbers, they've actually gone up a little bit over the last year. And I can share those with you if you guys want. What numbers have gone up over the past couple of years? A number of affiliates. Oh. So, um, you know, keep in mind, I don't work for HQ. They've got like the set of books, but if you count up the number of affiliates on the main site over the last year, um, I've got them right here. That makes sense, uh, by the way, because we're when the economy struggles, the affiliates go up. When the economy's good, the affiliates go down. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah. But so you I mean, can kind of imagine why, right? People start chasing their dream job. People start yeah. taking the L1. When the economy's bad, uh, I mean, 2008 and nine were amazing for CrossFit. Uh, I mean, I just. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's great, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah, got yeah. fired from middle management. I might as well try chase this. Chase my thing. dream. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. chase my dream. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it, man. I never made that connection before. Okay, good. Um, so and, anyway, and, and then obviously uh, commercial real estate, right? If commercial real estate becomes uh, available, it makes it easier to open aff affiliates, right? Totally. Yeah. Unfortunately, if businesses are going under, there's more space available to rent and rent prices probably get depressed too. So yeah. Mm -hmm. um, unless, so, you're so, Liver, unless you're in Livermore. Then they go up. Yeah, that's where California sucks. Okay. Sorry, Chris. I've interrupted. No, no, that's fine. fine. So, um, you know, the, the numbers are trending upward a little bit, which is fantastic news for everybody. That said, like with the affiliate dues going up 
like tripling in my case, you're not going to see the full effect of that for another year because the the dues don't actually go up until your renewal date. So like if my renewal, my renewal date's June, we affiliated in June, 2008. Um, I won't see the price increase until then, you know, and then, so that's when gyms will really make the decision on whether they're going to stay affiliated or not. I think probably most gyms will there, you know, there's a historical, in my case, I feel like there's this historical debt. I should have been paying more all along. I'm happy to pay it. Um, but will it be another raise after that? You know, I don't know. Uh, so that's, that's something that like the owners of CrossFit are always going to have to to weigh is like, just was a significant rate hike. Can we possibly do that again? And that's going to figure into any valuation in the future. My takeaway from what we just, uh, the three of us just came up with is that if mom only wants you in the house for three years, you're not really mature enough to leave the house at the age of three. What I'm saying is, is if the owners are only going to keep the company for three to six years, their vision and their time horizon is not in, um, uh, I don't know if the word's parity, but it's not it's not where the affiliate owners are. I mean, the affiliate owners need someone who has like a 15 year plan. Well, here's the good in order news. to align. Right. Doesn't there need to be an alignment? There does. But I'm not sure that has to come from the people that own HQ. And okay, so, so the affiliate owners, need to, instead of blaming HQ, they need to take responsibility and accountability and step up the process. They do. And Please. the great news is that there are companies you know, on, on the edges that are not owned by HQ that are tremendously invested in making sure this movement continues. And I'm talking about noble, honorable companies like rogue, like beyond the whiteboard, like two brain business who really want to make sure that this, that the method continues, that the community continues, that the movement continues, regardless of who's holding the CrossFit baseball card. And I don't mean to say like that we're at odds with the owners of HQ, nothing right. like that but we are invested in the continuity there. I have no incentive to uh, like encourage CrossFit HQ to sell to another investment group. My incentive is make sure that the movement continues. And if you, if any affiliates are in doubt of that and they want to see it in action, true to life, go to the rogue invitational. That's not an HQ event. That's a bill and Katie event. And you will see, yeah, the CrossFit movement is alive and well, and, we're good. Like this is what did you, what did you see there? Just the investment bill and Katie make and just how, how nice it is and how good the people are. It felt like CrossFit 2014. It really wow. did. Wow. You know? And like, I, I know if you're fairly new to CrossFit, that might not mean anything, but here's the reality. Like, you know, two brain had a, a little booth and mayhem had a little booth and people would come up and they'd be wearing the Sevon shirts. Right. And, and I'm sorry, like I should have included you in that list. Like you are invested in this for the next decade to making sure that right. the, it pro maybe more than anybody else, like you were doing this for no money and like you're, you're invested way beyond what anybody could reasonably expect you to do. Um, so thank you for that. But like this, this is part of the circle that surrounds affiliates and like protects the community is, uh, you know, brands like yours and, and two brand and rogue and, and like rogue is powerful, man. Very. So, so when you go to the rogue invitational down in Austin, it feels like we're in this fitness festival and like, you know, the world's strongest man was there. And I just went up and was like, what's up? And he's like, you know, yo, and <laughs> like, um, 
you know, like Kalipa is there and, and he's shooting funny videos with um, Miranda and they're like hiding in the, in the outhouses. And then they're going over and like toilet papering the mayhem tent at night. And like, it's that video. stuff. It's, it's amazing. Um, you know, when I first found CrossFit and went to the CrossFit games, I was blown away because as a, as a hockey player, as a kid, I was like, yeah, I just went to an, an, an open skate and shook Wayne Gretzky's hand. Like that's how I felt about Jason Kalipa. Right. And like, Is that's that really still true. You shook now. Wayne Gretzky's hand. You really did do that. No, but that's how I felt oh, when, oh, I met, oh, when I met right. Kalipa for the first time. Right. 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 And I wrote this blog post called, you know, our debt to the best, why you owe Jason Kalipa 20 bucks. And it's like, because he's going to inspire my kids. Like someday they're going to be doing pull-ups and saying in their head, I'm Jason Kalipa, you know, and like I did right. with Wayne Gretzky. Right. And, um, it, you know, you still get that. And, and the Rogue Invitational for me this year was like traveling back in time. And if you, another place you, where you'll see that is the two brain summit. And like, you know, we're going to sell out. There's already 700 gyms going. Um, it's in, it's in June, twobrainsummit.com. Half of those gyms. Chicago again. Yeah, man. Yeah. Is it, <laughs> <always> in Chicago? <laughs> Is it-, uh, it, it has been in Chicago for the last six or seven years. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were looking at Dallas this year and, and honestly, I just, I just was down in Dallas about two weeks ago and it's just not convenient enough for gym owners. So like, the um if you go to the summit like half of the gyms there are crossfit and half are not but you're still part of this community and the community is half of the gyms at your at your summit are not crossfit yeah yeah wow congratulations that's impressive oh thanks yeah yeah um but like you know our mission is that we're going to provide this knowledge whether you're it doesn't matter what method you pick if you're a crossfit gym that's wonderful we can give you a model for that you know yesterday i spent time talking at length to a fit body boot camp owner there's pilates and yoga and and everything in between f45 gyms in there and um what we try to do is deliver like on like a free affiliation or a free franchise through this group that we have called gym owners united any gym owner can join this group we try to give you more value than you would ever get from a licensing deal or a franchise deal with any other gym chain. And it's just free. Like you can just have it because we want you to succeed. Is there a website? Gym owners, United gym owners, United.com. Yeah. It's a Facebook group. There's 8,800 gyms in the, in gym owners United now. And, um, sharing the transparency is amazing. There's no egos. If somebody's an asshole, we kick them out like that minute. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and we do a lot of free stuff in there every single day. Chris, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, I, I just got too wound up. Can you unkick me out of the Facebook group? No, no one. And done, <laughs> one and Damn. You know, the rules. Yeah. Just be a good person. And so that that's that's I would really never last in there. I'd never last in there. Well, let's do it. Let's, <laughs> let's have you join and we'll we'll put a stopwatch on it. One one comment, the first comment he makes. Yeah, the meter's <laughs> running. Done. Yeah. Uh 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 Seema boobs. Uh, Chris, what do you think about McCoy Medical integrating into proven and other affiliates? I don't know anything about that. I'm sorry. Okay. I think that uh, I think that there's uh, I think this guy McCoy McCoy was on the podcast, right? He was on the podcast and he spoke at the CrossFit uh, for Health Summit. Yeah. And what are they doing? They're opening up a like he's and he's a real doctor. He's like a uh, a real doctor. So he put a his medical practice like inside of a CrossFit gym. Yeah. So cool. That's not the first. I mean, there's been a bunch of those, right? Correct. 
Yeah, I think he's just been the most forward-facing. I know there's one in L.A. for like a while, like multiple years now. I, I haven't um, talked to the individual like myself, so I don't know how successful it was or how things are going, but it's still around, so that kind of speaks to itself there too. We have a bunch of examples of this in Two Brain where like a, a physician will open up a CrossFit gym and make that like either part of their practice or in the same building or you know just part of their prescription. And, um, they quickly realize it's a lot of work. And so they come to two brain and say, like, how can you turn that into a business that I don't have to be at? Cause I've got this physician's practice to, to work on. So Chris, have you, is, seen it, really have you seen examples of, um, gym owners owning multiple CrossFit gyms and still being successful? Cause and the reason why I ask is like, and I know you know this to be true too. Usually you, we have a great first successful first location and then yeah. the second location makes us poor. Oh yeah. I mean, it did me. Right. So like one big trend that you'll see in our highest level group, which we call the tinkers is people, they get into that group and they got two or three locations and then they consolidate down to one and they, they actually do better with one than they were doing with three. And it's just like, you know, you think that, okay, this gym's doing well. If I have a second gym, it'll be double the work, but I'll make double the income. And really it's like four times the work. And it's probably, you know, a year before you see any income and you're absorbing the loss and it's like choking the life out of your first gym. That's exactly what happened with me. Um, luckily I had the personal training studio that could feed the CrossFit gym while I figured it out. Uh, and eventually that almost ran out of rope. So the old mile stick used to be like, how many affiliates do you own? But these days, um, a good percentage of the most successful affiliates in the world own one gym. And there's, you know, there's lots of reasons for that. Like um, if I look at like uh, CrossFit Metis in Stockholm, two current locations, they want to have 10 locations because they want to change lives with CrossFit, not because they can't make enough money. Like they're, you know, well over a million dollars in revenue a year. Wow. That's what they want to do. Um, there are also gym owners out there right now who, who are like, okay, I've got this box figured out. What I'm going to do is take like a 50% stake in another box that's nearby. And that owner is going to keep equity, which is tremendously generous. They would have failed without the buyer, but I'm going to run the marketing. I'm going to run this gym. I'm going to mentor them. Like, and, um, then those gyms succeed too. And you're starting to see those crop up both in Europe, but also more in like the Eastern seaboard. There are also cases where like a gym is just not worth buying and they probably should fail and, and somebody else can start from a blank slate there. Yeah. And when you, you're seeing people purchase gyms, um, are, is there a proximity in which like the locations should be somewhat close to each other like meaning like if i buy a gym that's a mile up the street and kind of do the deal like where we both split equity but i run the marketing so essentially i run yeah. i own both of them versus i own a one that's 30 45 minutes away in traffic right there's a like, sweet there... spot okay. yeah i mean if you're in a high population area like la you want one on every block if you're in sault ste marie like that's a bad example because um all the small gyms in sault ste marie like meet up for lunch once a month but um, if you're in a, a more rural place and you've got another community 25 minutes down the road, then yeah, like you, you do want to have one in each, in each place. The thing that you have to understand is like, if you're the only gym for 50 miles around opening up another gym, 20 miles away is going to cannibalize your current gym. And you have to weigh like the cost of that versus the cost of exposing yourself to a new audience. There's a lot of factors that go into that decision. And on to be transparent, like 
I don't think I'd ever buy out another GM. I Now that I've got the template, I'd rather just start from scratch. But I know a lot of the mentors on my team do that. They acquire other GMs. Mm, okay, yeah, because that was going to be my next uh, question is, do you have a template for that? Last year, was it last year? About a year and a half ago, I got approached to purchase two gyms. One was a little bit further. One was like a mile up the road. And mm. uh, the one that was further, I turned down. The, the opportunity didn't make sense. I was exposed to too much risk. And the second one almost closed. The only reason it didn't is because they didn't realize that in the lease, the landlord had put that if you sell more than 20% of the business, I have to now become a second landlord to that until their lease time was up. Oh, Caused man. a huge headache, totally screwed myself and the owners over as to how that deal was going to go down. Um, but that's that. That's the reason why I was kind of asking because I wonder if we're going to see a consolidation of gyms. We have a lot of these part-time owners that are happening um, and have been for a while. But as the cost of living comes up, the cost of doing business comes up, and then the affiliate fees rise and everything that go with it, I wonder how much longer um, those type of gyms will still be in business, and if we'll see this consolidation where these larger gyms that they're pretty much all in as their own job are going to start eating those gyms up. I, I think so. Like there's definitely a, a polarizing effect happening where the best gyms are doing better and better. And the worst gyms are just kind of falling off the radar, whether they de-affiliate or go to business or they get bought up. And it's kind of like the middle are disappearing right now. Mm. And it's not always bad. Like, you know, a consolidation, this was Greg's point is like, if you bought out that other gym, you are giving the former owner of that gym a more secure future. You're giving them a little bit of reward for the work that they've done that they couldn't have achieved on their own. You're giving their staff probably a better future with a better solid foundation and systems, and you're going to give their clients a better home. Like that's what should happen. Um, so I, I'm not against it. I think the other great opportunity for CrossFit HQ is that as gyms become more successful, you start to attract uh, better entrepreneurs into the fold, you know, and, and that's not a bad thing either. Like I know Greg wanted to create opportunities for owner operators. Um, he and Dale Saran explained that to me one time. Um, and that's, that's awesome. But the reality, I mean, and if you get people who know how to run a good business buying CrossFit gyms, that just accelerates the growth of CrossFit for everybody else. And we all benefit from that. You know, if I've got a CrossFit gym opening up in my city and they wind up being a better CrossFit gym than me, that's fine. Like I will still benefit from having them there because they will raise the profile and scope of CrossFit in my town. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the name of the book is Millionaire Gym Owner, written by Chris Cooper. Uh, you can listen to the audiobook like I did. Uh, I'll leave you with this paradox, which is uh, no one should be afraid of getting rich because the paradox here is at the end of the day, uh, so many of us uh, want to serve. That's what brings us happiness. But you'll be your best server when you when you have wealth. So you can serve yeah. more. You can serve better. You can serve freely. Um, and so, so there is that paradox and, uh, Chris Cooper and two brain business understand that. Well, thanks dude for coming on. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Con thanks so much. Congrats on the new book. Thank you. Always appreciate it guys. All right. Thank talk you, to you soon. All right. Ciao. Buck. What a, what a, what a wealth of knowledge, right? Yeah, I didn't want to put him on the spot, but I was going to ask him and be like, hey, do you do any uh, mentor like immersion stuff? And then when he's going to say, well, what was that look like? I'm going to be like, I'm going to come fly and hang out with you for two days and just follow you every day, every step of the way. <laughs> right. And just see, I don't know. I'll shoot him a text at the end. I just don't want to put him on the spot in the thing where he has to be like, yeah. And then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, I agree. Because you know how I work. I will. I'll just fucking show up there. <laughs> I mean, I oh, hear. shit. Caleb had a question. He had a great question. Yeah, damn <laughs> in it. That damn it. 
Uh, signed so, up for uh, signed up for startup when Sevon had Chris on a year ago. Ryan McFadden is our mentor, and he's been great. Thanks for the great product. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. And earlier too, I just want to point out there was somebody in the comments that put like, "Oh, I joined uh, Two Brain Business, and then they wanted to make my gym owner only think about money, and it, they didn't focus on the base." Listen, you don't fucking own the gym. Okay, your gym owner being broke the whole entire time, so you could play fucking online qualifier in the corner with your buddies doesn't mean shit. <laughs> so go fuck yourself in accordance to how I want to run my business. And if I want to turn into something that's profitable, that's going to make meaningful money for me and my family and opportunities for other trainers, and that happens to push against your idea of how the gym should work, then yeah. suck it, bro. Because you what's don't the know. example? What, what's the example? God, when, what, what, when a member me. feels gouged, what is that? What is that? Fuck them. What do you mean gouge? Right. That means yeah. that the price has exceeded the value in your perception of what's happening. So like if you want to rent a space and do your online qualifiers and be competitors and have yourself referred to as an athlete, put in your fucking Instagram bio, like then go find a gym that's <laughs> going to do that. Okay. But that's not my gym. And yes, I want the 35 to 45 year old families. You know why? They have disposable fucking income and they invest into the community things that we do and they invest into the community that we live in. Save the 20 something year old that's going to be there all day, that's going to ask for the fucking discount, and that's going to want the highest demand of your time and resources, but then not pay you anything for it. You can't help anyone if you're broke. Graciano Rubio, Mr. Hartle, Spicy Souza. Can yeah. we at least criticize gym owners that don't fix their toilets, please? That yes. I will agree yeah. with you, yeah. Caleb. Yes, if you had your feet I didn't gym want to owner. say anything, Caleb, in case you were talking about, like, in case it was too close to home. You wanted to... Uh, well, it's, I mean, it's the affiliate I go to. I swear to God, I've gone to this affiliate for years. Have you thought about yeah. fixing it yourself? Like, what's the problem? What's the deal? Can you just go in there? Can you just show them with your tool <laughs> belt? I'm honestly, I'm I'm on the I'm on the verge of just going to buy the, the supplies myself and fixing it for him. So it'd be like, hey, dude. So fucking annoying. Does it it's back like, up? Does it back up? Yeah, just like you could get like six sheets of toilet, but like just six individual sheets of toilet paper try to flush it and it just won't. And then you're in the, you're just fucking plunging it. So yeah, I think I'm going to fix it myself. Dude, there's toilets that, there's toilets that scare me so much that as I'm shitting, I'm flushing. It's like a five flusher. That's this, that's uh, this toilet. There's like, like three, there's three toilets in the, in the affiliate and one ladies, one dudes and one neutral. There's, oh, you God. should put a sign in the door. Don't shit in this toilet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> number one only. Number one only. Yeah, this Dude, is the number one. Demolished too. First thing in the morning, that that toilet gets fucking trashed. It's so oh, bad. No. Dude, you know this is a good this is a good spouse when she says it just needs a good snake. Damn. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh thank you very much. Um let me see. Uh shut up and scribbles coming on soon. That will be with J.R. Howell and Taylor Self. And then uh, let me see who we have on tomorrow. Oh, nobody. Oh, good. Well, aren't you traveling? At, yeah. I'm, well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. No, I don't think I'm traveling. I'm just like, I'm just, just, I'm going to cilantro's tonight. Oh, fun. <laughs> cilantro's. I think Greg's coming to town tonight. I'll be at the gym from 1 till 9.30 p.m. So. <laughs> till 9.30 p.m.? Yeah, we started the youth strength and conditioning back up, and that runs from 8 to 9 now. Um, J Sevon, just an FYI, FYI for today's new show, Google Rachel Do Dozal fired from teaching job for oh, oh. Let, uh, let me see. I, I'd love, uh, yeah, please, I need, I need news stories. Can you guys help me with news stories? 
Um, she's an activist. S- s- send me, send me news stories. Uh, let me see. Uh, uh, Rachel, isn't this the chick that was part of the like some BLM society and they were like, you're not actually black? Oh, she's not a CrossFitter. No. Oh, I don't know if that. Oh yeah, this is the chick that's black but not black. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Me and her would have made a great. Yeah, that's her. <laughs> She's on Milano tan. She's racial fluid. Yeah. God, uh, Chris Cooper gives me hope for all Canadians. He gives me hope for Canada. Yeah. He's a good dude. Uh, Heidi Kroom, I'll I'll be your Wisconsin news correspondent. Thank you. All right. Love you guys. Uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye.